Hello everybody, welcome to the third episode of Legends of the Batman. My name is Michael Kaiser and with me is Michael Bradley. Hello Michael. Hello. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to cover everything Batman from the beginning, starting with Detective Comics number 27 and moving, moving forward one month with each episode. This week we'll be covering all Batman-related material released in June of 1939, which consists uh, of Detective Comics number 29, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We're, uh, we should probably try and enjoy this while it lasts. Yes. Uh, the fact that we only have to cover 10 pages or less each episode. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get uh, a lot more on our plates pretty soon. So Yeah. Uh, so, But this week, just Detective Comics number 29, and uh, Mike's doing the summary, so take it away. Okay. Uh, the issue was released uh, sometime around June 13, 1939, and it, ha- and it had a July 1939 cover date and the normal price of $0.10. Cents. The cover artist is Bob Kane, and it's a really awesome cover that shows Batman swinging in through a window of a stone mansion or a castle of some type. And he's kicking one guy in the face, and an evil scientist type who is working on an experiment of some sort reacts down in the corner. Yeah, and um – um. Just out of complete coincidence, I don't know if you read the uh, DC's The Source. It's a yeah, I usually try to check that every few for days. for someone who doesn't anybody anybody out there listening who doesn't know it's it's basically DC's uh, news blog, um, and they had just posted some interior pages for Batman Streets of Gotham number twenty, which came out on March second, uh, and inside there's a panel that recreates this very cover. So I kind of thought that oh, yeah. was cool, hmm. by um, drawn by and I'm gonna botch his last name, but Dustin uh, Nguyen. I don't know how to pronounce that. But anyway, it was pretty neat. Apparently, uh, the villain in, in that in that issue is is the same villain as the issue we're going to be talking about tonight. So are they? Did they bring this story back into continuity, or are they doing well, a modern version of it? I didn't read it. I just okay. saw the three preview pages. But it looked to me like Batman or somebody was flashing back to their early adventures and. They were showing this exact a panel that looked exactly like this cover, so hmm. they must have brought it back into continuity. Is I, that the Morrison title, the Grant Morrison title? Uh, no. Is he writing, okay, because I, I know he's been bringing a lot of the the goofy Silver Age stuff back into continuity somehow. Actually, instead of me saying no, how about I say I'm not sure? Okay, that'll work. <laughs> I don't want people writing and telling me yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will correct us. Right, but anyway. This is uh, Batman's second cover appearance, and while it's not an exact scene from the, the story, it does have the story's villains on it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar to something that happens in the story. Close enough. I really like this cover a whole lot. Yeah. More than, more than the first uh, De- Detective Comics number 27. Oh, yeah, by far. It's a lot more iconic, even. Yeah. I don't think either of us like Detective 27 very much, but... No, it's just, I don't know... Like I said, then it just doesn't say Dark Knight Detective to me. No. Anyway, the the story is called The Batman Meets Doctor Death, and it was ten pages long. Which this issue sees a page increase for the stories because the first two we covered were only six pages. So Batman's taking up a little more room in the story in the book now. The writer is Gardner Fox, and the artist is Bob Kane, and it was edited by Vin Sullivan. This is the first Batman story written by someone other than Bill Finger. Mm-hmm. And if the credits and the Chronicles reprints are right, this is the last story for quite a while that uh, has only Bob Kane on the art because 
after this, other people start helping with the inking, and then eventually, you know, the pencils as well. So both Finger and and uh, Kane didn't last nearly as long as Siegel and Schuster, huh? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Our story begins in the laboratory of a Dr. Carl Helfern, who summons his manslave Jabba and tells him that he's completed the experiments on his, quote, death by pollen extract and is ready to use the concoction to coerce rich folks into paying them money. But he's troubled by reports of the Batman. He says that they must trap him before enacting their plan and proposes that they might be able to contact him via an advertisement in the local newspaper. The next morning, Bruce... Uh, Bruce Wayne, who in reality is the mysterious and totally awesome Batman, reads the paper and spots a comically large ad that reads, Batman, if you go to General Post Office and ask for a letter addressed to John Jones, you will find a message of vital importance. Bruce, cleverly disguised in a trench coat, picks up the unsigned letter, which says that a murder will be committed at 10 p.m. at a certain address, and the letter dares the Batman to try and stop it without police aid. So Bruce goes home and pulls out his bat gear, hops into his car, and gets to the address just before 9 p.m. The Batman stashes his car in a nearby construction lot, then, using rope and suction pads, scales the side of the building. Reaching the penthouse, the Batman secures his rope so that he can make a quick getaway later and slowly makes his way into the penthouse. But, as soon as he's inside, the lights come on and the Batman is jumped by two gun-toting thugs. Dodging a hail of gunfire, the Batman easily dispatches with the thugs and demands to know who hired them. They're resistant to tell, saying the person who will kill them if they squeal, but Batman threatens to do the job himself if they don't, when suddenly, behind him, Jabba enters the room and fires a gun at the Batman, striking him in the shoulder. Throwing a gas pellet to create a smokescreen, Batman makes a quick exit, jumping out a closed window and rappelling down the side of the building to safety. Once back at his car, the Batman crudely patches up his shoulder, then finds a phone booth and makes a call to the Daily Globe, placing an ad that reads, I accept your challenge, Dr. Death. Signed, The Batman. Bruce then makes a quick stop at an actual doctor to get get his shoulder patched up properly, dodging the doc's question about how he managed to shoot himself in the shoulder. The next morning, Helfern, a.k.a. Dr. Death, berates his lackeys for not catching the Batman. He then sends Jabba to kill one John P. Van Smith, who has refused to pay the money demanded of him. Jabba is told to use the pollen extract poison, which must be administered by blowing it in the general direction of the intended victim and having them breathe it in. Doc Death also says that he has immunized Jabba against the poison, which is good because killing your manservant, Toady, before he does your bidding isn't very effective. No. Right. (laughs) Bruce happens to be driving down the street and sees Jabba and follows him. He sees Jabba blow the poison at Smith and, <laughs> and unbeknownst to Jabba, is able to keep Smith from inhaling the poison by covering his mouth with a rag. He then quickly follows after Jabba and makes note of his destination. Later that night, the Batman pays a visit to the house. He scales to the second floor and sneaks inside. Creeping through the house, he finds Dr. Death and Jabba working in the laboratory. The shadow of a bat is cast on the wall, and a lasso snags Jabba around the neck. The Batman goes after Dr. Death, but the bad doctor evades him by dropping through a secret trapdoor. The Batman dives in after him and gives chase. Somehow, Dr. Death doubles back to the laboratory and grabs a vial of chemicals. Batman grabs a nearby fire extinguisher and throws it at the doctor, knocking the vial out of his hand. 
but as the vial crashes to the floor, it erupts into a raging inferno. Dr. Death laughs maniacally as the blaze consumes both him and the laboratory, and the Batman watches the flames with the solemn yet immortal words of death to Dr. Death. Ooh. Awesome. And they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. Except Dr. Death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In Java. Good story. Good story. Yep. I probably rank this one uh, uh, number two of the three we've covered so far. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which? Detective uh, 27B and my favorite still. Huh. I think yeah. I like this one a little better than that one. Yeah? Well, maybe not. Yeah. It's pretty close. On the, on the surface, I did, I guess. I, I will say that I think bit, but. the mood of this one is is roughly the same as 27, where last last issue was he was very... Uh, you know, happy, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, he was having a much better time than he is in this in this issue. So. I noticed um, this kind of covers the whole issue. So while we're giving our whole thoughts in this issue, um, he's either known as Bat Spaceman or Batman the whole way through. Not it's not hyphenated except for in the title, the title banner in the very last panel for the, where that ad is. Yeah, it's it's. Huge. There's a opening panel that um, you know kind of summarizes the whole story, and it's got Bat Hyphen Man in big bold text, and then underneath the title is the Batman meets Doctor Death, and that's just the way you normally spell Batman. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the whole issue, other than the last panel, like you said, is uh they say Batman as two separate words with no hyphen. So apparently they're they're starting to experiment with how they are going to be spelling his name. Uh, and it's not in quotes either. Like no, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. He's officially adopted his name. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get that other one to stick, so... <laughs> it's like, fine, I'm not the Dark Avenger. I'm Batman. Whatever. I'm Batman. Yeah. That's where that came from. <laughs> I... <laughs> I like this opening uh, splash panel, though, because uh-huh. as... Dr. Death toils away in his laboratory, you know, yep. totally oblivious that he's about five seconds away from getting clobbered yep. as the Batman creeps in the window behind him. Yep. That's how Batman rolls. Um, speaking of spelling, Robert Kane, no longer signing his name Robert Kane, but now officially Bob Kane as of this story. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, it once again opens, just because we talked about it last episode, it once again opens with a scroll that contains a summary of who the Batman is and unlike the last two issues this one's a completely different uh, uh, it's a new rewrite so let me just read it the Batman eerie figure of the night has become a legendary figure in the life of the teeming metropolis righting wrongs and bringing justice where it has never been before that's it Um, but it's kind of interesting that they call where he's working a teeming metropolis because up until this point they haven't really called it anything right um it's just been the city or it's yeah so yeah i don't know now 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 it sounds bigger uh, well we kind of talked about the size was it last episode or the one before i think it was maybe the first episode we were trying yeah, to the gauge first, how big the city was detective 27 had no real indication that it was even a city at all i mean it could have been I mean, well, obviously it's a city, but I mean a huge city. It, it had no buildings or skyscrapers or anything. It was just people's houses. Right. But by uh, number 28, he was 
definitely working off rooftops on buildings, so clearly he works in a city. A teeming metropolis. <laughs> but still no name. Nope, still no name for the city. Nope. Because it's just like a metropolis, not yeah. metropolis as in Superman's metropolis. We have here in the beginning, we have Dr. Death, who's Dr. Smoke, Death. smoking away. Um, with his cigar, with cigarette holder. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a very... And, uh, and his monocle. He's a very uh, dashing man, or evil-looking man. You know, he's got his monocle and his cigar, cigarette holder, and his beard comes to a point. And so do his ears for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's talking to his stereotype Jabba about uh, rich people all over the world, not just the city, but the world, uh, having to pay tribute to him or he'll kill them. Um and I guess he means money. I mean, it must be money, but I don't know. Just the way he says tribute, it makes it seem like he wants more than just money. I don't know. He wants yeah, to worship for his says, brilliance or something. Says he's going uh, after the wealthy of the world, so. True. So why not money, right? Yeah. Um, in which case, this is the third story in a row that's about, you know, a bad guy wanting money. Yeah. Um, which won't last in. In the Batman universe, in the Batman universe, eventually it'll be about you know just being crazy. Um, like by the end of the story. And wanting, yeah, <laughs> wanting to prove a point more so than wanting to make money. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. You know? Um, but yeah, speaking of smoking, we got Bruce Wayne smoking a pipe again. Mm-hmm. While he uh, checks out the gigantic personal ad. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't have the issue in front of you, this ad takes up. A good quarter of the page, if not more, of yeah. the newspaper. Yeah, and you would think that ad would would cause you know a thousand reporters to be standing outside the post office <laughs> at uh, the appropriate time, waiting to see who picks up that letter. Yeah, the ad does. It is the first place, though, that he's just addressed as Batman rather True. than the Batman. Yeah, yeah. And does he go? Does Bruce Wayne go to the post office as Bruce Wayne to pick up this letter? It doesn't really show him in a disguise, just a trench coat and the fedora that yeah. he wore, you know, last issue. So yeah. So once I again, guess. between this and the uh, his car, it just seems like he has no <laughs> real care about keeping his identity secret. Right. But I I kind of wondered though if you know he's wearing the trench coat and uh, John Jones. I didn't know maybe if that had some influence or. Inspiration when Martian Manhunter came about in the Silver ah, Age. It could that, be. You know, That's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't John even tell you who created Martian Manhunter, but um, yeah. Of course, John Jones isn't that unique of a name, I don't suppose. But now we're going to get letters. Found that interesting. Yep. Could be. You never know. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> he just goes to the the post office and asks for the letter addressed to John Jones. Apparently, he didn't have to show any ID or yeah anything. There's, I. There's no, I mean, this is just kind of ridiculous on on multiple levels, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. not only is is there nobody there who also read the paper trying to, first of all, okay, why didn't someone else go there and ask for John Jones's letter? Why not? You right. Know, just a, someone who's up to shenanigans, or uh, why was there no, uh, you know, reporters waiting around to see who asked for John Jones's letter? Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd think the guy working at the post office would be like, here you go, Batman, you know. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> the post office guy doesn't know it's addressed to Batman. He no, but maybe he read the newspaper. I don't I know. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, oh, that, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. That's a good I point. don't know. It just seems like <laughs> this this newspaper just went out to the entire city, and, and, and no one cares. <laughs> the teeming metropolis. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then we cut back to Bruce Wayne, and he's uh, apparently he keeps his costume in a trunk. Um, so there's no Batcave yet, obviously. No. Uh, this is probably like the most we've seen of his of his place, a whole room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've just really seen uh, like a doorway before. Right. Or a chair where he sits and reads messages right. to Batman. Um, <laughs> but you could tell, I think, this sequence, this page, page number two, and and then later page number three where – He's scaling that building. You could tell they kind of had, they they had well they didn't kind of have they had four more pages to fill up. Um, right, kind of stretching things out a little bit more. And yeah, they had they had room to you know have him gear up and and explain how he can scale walls and right you know move around, which was kind of cool. I like that too though because we're you know we're just getting into the character and it shows okay he's got a belt with glass pellets and suction pads and for. Right. You know, for kids that were reading this back in 1939, they probably needed the explanation. So, right. And um, as far as his suiting up goes, he looks pretty much like he's been looking. Mm-hmm. Um, his gloves are back. His little dainty his, blue gloves. His gloves are back. They are different color. They were originally purple. At first, I thought they were blue because he's wearing these suction cup gloves. But then later on, he doesn't have those gloves on and his hands are still blue so i guess it's just they changed the color yeah um and there he is driving his uh his fake batmobile again (laughs) bruce wayne's batmobile bruce wayne's batmobile yeah i kind of would have liked to have seen a panel maybe and maybe they didn't really have the room for it or didn't think about it but with bruce saying that he knows this is going to be a trap i mean yeah you know hey batman come here there's going to be a murder it's you know it's pretty obvious that that yeah. there's a criminal element at stake and that's a good point. But that you know he could, they could have thrown in a line of dialogue that said, "Well, I know this is a trap, but I have to go in the name of justice" or something to that effect. That's true. To show Batman's. Uh, or he really didn't think character. about it. And like yeah. me too. But yeah, they ha- they do try and go out of their way to show that he he thinks about things. So yeah, that would have been a good panel. But uh, but anyway, he gets there and. Uh, I think it's funny. See, this whole pa- this whole page, um, whole page three here is just you could just tell they they just have so much room to play around because he they they even go so far as to tell you where he parked his car, right? And then, uh, you know, they go into great detail about how he uses his rope to get up to the building, you know, ledge, and then he uses his suction cups to to scale the wall and make it all the way to top. That whole thing is all just one page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it was interesting to see him parking his car in the construction lot, though. Mm-hmm. Or because you know it's, it's kind of nice to see him trying to be a little more stealthier. That's true, as opposed than to just driving by the police office, the police <laughs> station, and honking his horn. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And well, I, I've I've wondered a time or two what Batman does with his car when he's out fighting crime. You know. Yeah. At, you can't think kid, about that I, too much. When I was younger, I liked the scene in uh, Tim Burton's Batman where he had the shields. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so cool. I also like that scene because. He hit traffic, which is something you always want to see. Like, yeah, 
Like, how can Batman, how does a car even a great way to get around the city fast, you know? <laughs> and there he goes. He hits traffic and had to bail. Yeah. Um, but where the heck does his, uh, his suction cups come from? I don't know. I, the only thing I can uh, say is maybe he had them, like, fastened to the back of his belt behind his cape. Yeah, there you go. That's the only place they could be because they he's climbing up the building and they just appear out of nowhere. Yeah, they obviously so, don't fit in his in his belt. They're way too big for that. Yeah. Page four has uh, pretty much the best panel to date mm-hmm. on Batman. There's a very cool. The the second panel is just uh it's it's before he enters the room. It's just it shows up the room you know dark and uh, he's just a silhouette. Pretty much on the uh, on the window, the moon's shining behind him, and he's got his you know cape all spread out. It's a great panel. Yes, very uh, uh, very moody. Mm-hmm. I'd almost say that's like that's comparable to even artwork today. I I like it that much. Oh yeah, compared to some of the other artwork in the issue, yeah, definitely. I mean, they, yeah. they're still using that same kind of effect today. Yeah, I mean his his shadows like crawling across the floor. It's really good stuff. Uh, keeping track of first, this is the, at least as far as I can remember, the first time that someone has tried to spring a trap on Batman. Yep. Uh, which will be a staple in his life. And I was thinking this um, this uh, trap that they sprung for him, it reminds me of the first meeting of Superman and Batman post-crisis in Man of Steel number three. Uh-huh. Not, not that I want to keep talking about Superman, but um, in that story... Batman goes to – is it Batman goes to Metropolis or Superman goes to Gotham? Superman goes to Gotham. Okay. But anyway, Batman tells him that if he touches him, that a bomb will go off somewhere in the city killing an innocent person. Right. And then at the end of the story, we find out that it's – Batman has planted the bomb on himself. Because Superman could probably tell if he was lying. Because here – it's kind of the mirror version of that because here you know, Dr. Death has said that someone's going to be murdered at 10 o'clock. And it turns out the person that's going to be, or that he, you know, <laughs> intended on murdering was Batman. Right. So, so he fulfilled his own uh, Doctor Death's uh, warning, essentially right. by showing up. And I don't think, you know, I don't think at all that John Byrne was ripping this off at all. It's it's not that similar, but I just found that to be interesting, kind of a mirror version of that. Uh, I'm sure that speaking. is exactly how he got that idea. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be proud to tell you that. Um, and the two dudes, two dudes, the two uh, criminals in the room hiding behind the curtain waiting for him to come in are wearing green or- and orange. Green and orange suits. It's the third issue in a row where we've had thugs wearing green and orange suits. I don't. Yep. Was that fashion back in 1939? Or- I have no idea. Was it's it the color co- palette. It's yeah. the color of evil. <laughs> green and orange. <laughs> uh, and once again on. Uh, Page five. I mean, they have. They. I think it's funny. They had uh, four extra pages this this month to tell a story, but still, they keep the the fight scenes really short. Yeah. Um. You that know, it just makes quick work of them. I mean. Yeah, and I still. I. I think I still like it. I mean, uh, it just shows you, you know, how much better he is at these people that he's fighting. I mean, still. What? Still, though, from um, from the time Batman climbs in the window. To about page seven, which would be, yeah, right, right when he leaves the uh, the address, 
mm-hmm. and then goes to the doctor. It reminds me of something, you know, a sequence from Batman the Animated Series. Just the tone of uh-huh. it. You know, he, he comes in and he's slinking about, then the fight with the thugs, and then a quick exit. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see how um, how much stuff that the writers are doing here that is still kind of prevalent today. Right. In, in the way they write the Batman stories. So. Yeah. Although in a, in uh, Batman the Animated Series, he hopefully doesn't get shot, which unfortunately he does here. Well, weren't there a couple episodes where he did get kind of injured? And st- yeah, I remember him being injured. I don't know if he was yeah. ever shot. That might have been too hardcore for kids, but. Well, yeah. But he definitely bled a few times. I remember that. Um, but yeah, first time Batman gets injured because the quick and stealthy Jabba gets the drop on him. It's also the first place where Batman uses a gun. Well, oh, he didn't use it, but he's holding the gun. He's holding the crooks at gunpoint. You know what's he funny picks... is is when I first read this, I did not notice that at all. Oh. I, your your notes pointed that out to me. I don't think it's his gun. I think he picked the one up that the thug dropped when he threw the uh, concrete statue at him. Yeah. Knocked it over. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I didn't notice because the gun is blue and his gloves are blue and. Yeah, and it all kind of fades together. Kind of fades together, but that's pretty crazy that he. I think it's funny that you know Batman tells him, or they say we can't tell you, or you'll, or or the boss will kill us, and Batman says if you don't tell me, I'll kill you, and actually <laughs> he actually means it because. Oh yeah. We're on kill number three for Batman in in three issues, so you know in the future he might say that, and everyone will be like, yeah, right, whatever, but not here. He's killed people for far less <laughs> yes. at this point. Well, has he, though? Yeah, I think last issue was a ridiculously frivolous kill, just to attract some police to come to the rooftop. (laughs) Well, they were thieves, though. They were, you know, jewel thieves. They didn't necessarily hurt anybody. Okay, good Uh, point. They weren't murderers. Um, Right. And he could have just as easily... Not, not Not that any murder is, you know, justified, but... True, but, I mean, especially if you're just... I don't know. He could have just called ahead and... Had the cops show up, you know? I mean, I don't know. Put an ad in the newspaper? Yeah. In fact, I was just thinking the other day, what if the cops didn't come up to the roof? They'd be like, well, let me just throw the other guy off then, too, because <laughs> it didn't work. And they still want to show up. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> now who do I throw off? Oh, well. <laughs> Here we go. First use, official use of uh, his utility belt. Yep. It's in full effect this issue. With, yeah. I mean, we kind of had it last issue with the with the bat rope, but. Uh, yeah. Which I don't. I last issue I I thought I read that he pulled it out of his belt, but now it seems like at least with this issue it's just been hanging on his belt the whole mm-hmm. time. So that makes more sense. But now he's actually you know pulling out gas pellets and and he has some other gear coming up here. Yeah. Uh, but pretty gruesome. He gets shot in the shoulder. And then he jumps and, out the window and. <laughs> somehow is able to rappel down the side of the building with a bleeding shoulder. I don't know. That's <laughs> uh, because he's Batman. I guess he's done, uh, you know, yeah, he does that stuff all the time. I guess he's just very good at enduring pain. I don't know because even when he gets patched up, he goes right back into action. And I think most people would be, uh, not up to par right after a gunshot wound, but, but yeah, pretty dynamic escape. He crashes through the window and jumps off the building, swings off a rope, and gets in his car. Kind of like last issue. <laughs> and he calls the Daily Globe to place an ad. Uh-huh. 
instead of just throwing more guys off the building. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know when or how or how big of a factor it is, but I know at some point in the mythology, the Gotham Globe is introduced or reintroduced, depending okay. on how you want to look at it. So I don't know if that was a conscious decision that they picked it up from this or could be if it was just a coincidence but getting closer so what is uh around this time what is is superman's uh newspaper called did they ever give it a name yet the, oh yeah the daily star oh daily star okay yeah, yeah they named that in the very first it was the daily star and then there was one issue where it was the uh cleveland evening news but then it's been the star consistently since then so yeah okay so we're getting closer i can't wait till they actually use the word gotham at some point but until then, this Teely Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, in uh, 1939, it's it's not a requirement to for doctors to report gunshot wounds to the police. <laughs> apparently not. Um, either that, or this guy is a really, really course, close he, family friend. Says he shot himself, though. You know. I don't know. I think if, if you went into the hospital today and said you shot yourself, I think they'd still call somebody. Possibly. I could be wrong. I don't know. But he doesn't – I mean, that's a horrible excuse. I do funny things sometimes, Doc. I'll tell you all about it someday. Thanks for everything. <laughs> See you later. Ay, ay, ay. But it is interesting that he went to the doctor because obviously we have no Alfred yet. Right. Um, and he has to do something. He, he patched himself up you know, in between his escape – after his escape and before the doctor. But obviously you should get that looked at. Yeah, I put a note in my my notes here. I understand why the scene's there, but still at the same time, it kind of brings the story to a screeching halt. It does because you know you've got all this momentum built up, and then but that's why Batman needs Alfred. Or it might have been easier if they had just if they had just had him fix it himself. Yeah, um, you know, just say Batman's knowledgeable about gunshot wounds or something. It was kind of interesting to see to see uh, you know the family doctor. Because that's just right. more that's just more hints of of you know Bruce Wayne's life, which we haven't really seen at all. No, yet. the only the only clue we've gotten is that he's a uh, bored uh, playboy. Social, bored socialite is all they keep so, saying. Socialite, that's the word I was looking for. Um. So when Bruce calls the Daily Globe to place the ad mm-hmm. from Batman, how does he pay for that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> that's a good point. Maybe the newspaper did it for free because it's good newspaper. Oh, well, it could be, I guess. Um, I yeah, I don't know. Oh, just in the uh, just in the build of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> he used his back credit card. <laughs> don't uh, be home without it. Yeah. Oh, great! Now you've got me quoting Batman and Robin. Thanks. Wasn't there a uh, was there a Batman credit card commercial? I don't know. You're probably thinking of that scene in Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bidding over Poison Ivy. Right, right. That terrible, terrible scene. Yeah. A terrible, terrible movie. I, I am not going to think about that anymore. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to cover it at some point. Yeah, that's true. But maybe we'll be old, old and senile by then. Have also, yeah. <laughs> For senile, we might enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so, then we have Dr. Death. This is this is probably my my favorite oh, What what the heck part of the... Can we go back a minute? Okay, sure. The uh, the ad I think could be translated, "Dear Doctor Death, it's on." <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, exactly. I accept your challenge. Um. So my favorite part of the, or not my favorite part of this story by 
any means, but my favorite uh, what the heck part of the story is uh, we get Dr. Death telling um, Jabba to go out and kill some guy named John Van Smith nice because, name. because he refused to pay tribute. <laughs> um, and he, <laughs> there's Jabba out in the city. <laughs> Which right there is kind of funny. I don't know. This guy really sticks out. He's just walking around, <laughs> and 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 Bruce Wayne just comes driving by. Hey, <laughs> I recognize that guy. There's the guy that tried to kill me last night. Yeah, and then he ends up saving John's. What was his name? I already forgot. John Smith. John P. Van Smith. John P. Van Smith. Of the Teething Metropolis Van Smiths. So this is just—it's ridiculous on so many levels because a. Uh, you know, it's the teething metropolis. So, what are the odds that Bruce Wayne just happens to drive by at the right place at the right time? Right. Um, but then he also saves the guy's life as Bruce Wayne, and and I don't know. That's just another one of those not not keeping your identity very secret moments. Is, I just noticed is Bruce Wayne driving a different car here because it's it's a convertible. Hey, yeah. Where before it's always been a you know just a hard top or not a hard top but a, a normal normal car. Well, it's still red, but yeah, it's definitely... Well, yeah, it's still red, but... Unless those cars could become convertibles, but I don't think so. Mm. Well, he's loaded. Maybe he's got more than one car. Could be. Yeah. And he's still smoking his pipe, though, so... Yeah, and he's wearing an orange suit. And <laughs> and John Smith, John Van Smith is wearing a green suit. <laughs> green suit. Uh, and in, in the previous day, Bruce Wayne was wearing a green suit, so... Yeah. Apparently green and orange were very fast, fashionable then. Not to go back, but did you see the photo that Dr. Death handed Jabba? It's got a little skull and crossbones. It's got, a, it's got a picture of John P. Van Smith, and then in the corner it's got a little skull and crossbones. And, it says, and the word doomed. <laughs> so, well, uh, not very subtle there. So if, if Jabba happened to get picked up, <laughs> like, I don't know if I like this picture you're holding here, buddy. Um uh, <laughs> So speaking of speaking of subtle, what do you think of uh, Doctor Death's uh, mechanism for killing people, or his it's ridiculous weapon, his weapon? There's got to be an easier way to deliver the poison than just blowing it at the person and hoping they breathe it in. <laughs> Not only hoping they breathe it in, but what's to stop you know other people from breathing it in? Right. Um, you know, maybe Bruce saved this John guy, but then the 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 pollen's still <laughs> floating around, killing twenty other people. Uh huh. So yeah. Seems like an injection or a, or you know, just shooting the guy would have been easier. Well, yeah, or stabbing him or something, anything then. Yeah. Blowing a poison in his general direction, that you have to immunize the person that's doing your, you know, bidding. And then also this John John uh, Van Smith is obviously someone who lives in this seething, in this teething metropolis, so that's another rich person. Right. In this town, I I kind of wish to. We had been keeping track of how many rich names they keep throwing at us because it seems like every issue there's one or two more rich people. Uh huh. It's like how many how many millionaires live in this city? <laughs> well, it's a big city. True. Uh, one more thing, if we can go back again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there was a nice caption when Jabba's walking down the street. It says uh -huh. Jabba goes on his errand of death, <laughs> which I thought was a nice play on words. Because he's. Yeah, that works. Um. But this uh, this right here is where I think the story just really starts going off the rails. Yeah. And it, it all hinges sure. on the convenient point that Bruce saw Jabba walking down the street because without Absolutely. that, you know, Smith would be dead and 
Bruce wouldn't know how to find Dr. Death. Yep. And by the way, he follows Jabba to Dr. Death's house as Bruce Wayne. Right. So. And it apparently takes him a long time to get there because it's daylight when he sees Jabba, and then it's night by the time they get there. So he he probably changes to Batman right in front of the guy's house. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so there we go back to him, Batman scaling walls and climbing up. Climbing up the house with his uh, rope again. They really like that that uh, stunt he does, I guess. But all with a gunshot wound, so. Right. Um, but then uh, on the next page, we get a, another silhouette shot. Not quite as good as that first one we talked about, but still pretty cool. Um, and no, no. Uh, I think maybe what I liked about both of them, and maybe I'm wrong here. Let me double check this. Oh, I am wrong. Okay, well, at least on this one, there's no caption or or dialogue of any kind, so it's just setting a mood. Yeah. You know, Batman's about to enter the lair of Dr. Death. There's a lot less fighting, and you mentioned it earlier, there's less fighting in this issue, but there's more Bruce skulking through the shadows. Yeah, which I like. Excuse me, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not necessarily that there's less fighting. I just think it's funny that with four extra pages, instead of, you know, having some extra... Fighting panels. They instead use the time to show him scaling buildings or, mm-hmm. or going to the doctor. Um, I mean, he's fighting pretty much like he has been the last two issues. Very efficiently, he just comes in, he punches somebody, they're down, it's over. Right. Um, so in this one, we may or may not, as of this page, have a death number four. What do you think? Oh yes, yes, I would definitely call that a a death, a murder, because. I don't know if he snapped his neck or what, but either way, he's left there when the building catches on fire later. So that's true. You know, I'm, even if, even if he was just unconscious, I think the, that his death is still on Batman's hands. So, I think he snapped his neck. I mean, the the narration box is kind of weird. It just says a snap of the lasso and Jabba is jerked from the table. So yeah, I don't know if that was supposed to be jerked away from the table or. I don't know. It's a cool it panel though. Yeah. It's like Oh uh, yes, that's an awesome panel with the it, huge shadow of the bat or the bat shadow on the wall and mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of showing Batman, you know, physically throwing the, the lasso over Jabba's neck, you just see his shadow kind of cast over both of the bad guys and this rope coming from nowhere and Yeah, I would say he snapped his neck, but either way you're right, he's dead. Um and then we got Doctor Death's uh secret shoot. <laughs> We we should all have secret trap doors in our oh I would love one evil mad scientist laboratories I think my my wife won't go for it I don't know why but <sighs> yeah um, but I I do like and I don't know that maybe this is just being mean but I love how you know he's got this laboratory and this high tech secret shoot but then they just drop down to a mattress yes <laughs> and it makes sense I mean you don't want to fall on something hard but. I could just see him like designing all this, and then it's like, well, just throw a mattress down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I made fun of it when I was doing my synopsis, but I see now, way in the back of that panel, there's like a staircase that Doctor Death is running towards. So I guess that's how we got back upstairs. Yeah, that makes sense. It wasn't uh, more spatial issues like in the first issue. So, but the still, kind of, it's kind of weird because okay, he's he's in his lab, and then the chute drops him down into the basement. Or secret basement or whatever it is. And then it, the stairs just lead right back up to the lab again? <laughs> what is the point? Yeah. 
Yeah, good point. I mean, wouldn't it be better to come up with a way to escape? <laughs> but anyway, it, it worked because he got away from Batman. If Batman had just stood there, then what? <laughs> Dr. Death would have came right back, but he you got fool. him. Oh, wait. Yeah, he got him to chase him, so I guess it worked. Um, but then we get another nice panel with another big uh, bat shadow on the wall as yeah, Batman is chasing it. after Dr. Death. Love it. They they went all out with this one. They they find I think they just realized that the silhouette thing is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but this shows too why the Batwing cape is is cooler than the normal cape because when he runs it can make the big yeah shadow you know he doesn't have to use his arms to hold it up right <laughs> which um, would be kind of awkward way to run with your arms <laughs> sticking out it'd look really silly. Um, <laughs> So here's where I think we we disagree with one another. I I'm thinking he killed Doctor Death too, but uh, no, I'm going to disagree with you because yeah. he couldn't. I don't think there's any way he could know that the uh, chemicals were going to burst into flames when they hit the floor. I guess that's true, but he must know that they were going to do something bad, and he purposely hits the the vial with the fire extinguisher. But yeah, I guess it. I I don't know if it was acid or something. It well, no, he throws it. it. He throws it at the doctor, doesn't he? Well, or is says, he throwing it at the file? It doesn't. I guess it says the Batman seizes a fire extinguisher on the wall and flings it at Doctor Death, knocking the deadly tube to the floor. Right. So you could interpret that to mean that was coincidence or that that was his intent. Um, but you're right. I guess if he didn't know it was going to catch on fire, then it wouldn't have killed him. But that's the end. Just it's kind of abrupt. An abrupt ending. I mean, and again, if we're keeping if we're keeping track of first, first time a bat villain goes crazy, <laughs> and just laughs maniacally, yeah. Um, yeah, Doctor Death catches on fire and just just goes <laughs> just starts laughing. <laughs> um, and that's the last time we ever see Doctor Death. Or that is was it? fun. Or is it? Yeah. Dun dun dun. Um, and then it's to be continued, and they even called they called him a uh, actually okay. There's. Quite a few firsts when it comes to Dr. Death. Let's see. We got, uh, he's the, uh, not to spoil too much, but since I already said he, he he's in the Streets of Gotham number 20, that he's the first reoccurring Batman villain. Right. He's the first villain to have a code name, as opposed to, he has a real name too, but, and I forget what it is now. Carl Helfern. Carl Helfern. But he goes by Dr. Death. While we're on that point, how did the Batman figure out Dr. Death's name. Hmm. Did he sign it in the newspaper? No. He didn't sign it he didn't sign it there and he didn't sign the letter. Interesting. Um good point. So, yeah. And the, th- the thugs don't say it. And then the first time the first oh, time oh. Jabad says it, I guess. Does he? Yeah. When he right before he says Dr. Death sends his greetings. Oh. And shoots. So, yeah, okay. Cool. Good. Okay, so first villain to have a code name, or a, you know, code name, that doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean, a, uh, an alias. Mm-hmm. Uh, first villain to threaten mass murder, This that might be stretching it a little bit, but I did find it interesting that he was looking for um, a tribute uh, globally, not just within the city. Right. Um, and he's the first villain to specifically challenge Batman, which... Uh, Rather than Batman just interjecting himself into there. Right. You're right about that. I didn't I didn't think about it that way. So and 
which isn't that big a deal, except in the case of Batman, because it often seems like to me that Batman's villains are pretty much in existence to challenge Batman most of the time. Right. So as we start getting to the uh, costumed villains, yeah. Like if Batman retired, the Joker would retire, and the Riddler would have no one to play with, and <laughs> yeah, Doctor Death is the first person to to set that trend. Um, but actually, in his case, I, it's, at least it's logical. It's not just to pit himself against a worthy adversary or anything. It's actually because he's thinking the Batman's going to screw up my plans, so I'm right. going to take him out. Right. Which it's I like. It's out of necessity. Not, he, he didn't set out to, I'm going to kill Batman. You know, I, yeah. I'm going to kill Batman so I can do this other thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, like I said, I, I really like this issue. Um, yeah. It's back to a dark tone again. I think last issue it was very much... You know, Robin Hood and Zorro, where he's just having a good old time. But now he's back to being grim. Death to Dr. Death. Um, I, when I was doing my... my now when, I, when I read through it for the show, I didn't like it very much. But now that we've gone through it again, I kind of do. I still think the there's just a lot of odd coincidences and mm-hmm. convenient, you know, Bruce seeing Jabba walking down the street. That's kind of convenient. And, and it just kind of ends rather abruptly, but... But yeah, going through it again now, I, I liked it more than when I read it for the show, which is odd. Well, I definitely agree. It would have been nice if they had come up with a way for Batman to figure out where Dr. Death was other than random occurrence. Um, and yeah, it does seem like he just goes crazy at the end out of nowhere. But but on the other hand, we don't really know anything about him, so maybe he's always about been a little crazy. Dr. Death. Oh, okay. Um, we don't know what is other than money, what his motivation or origins are. And, right. Um, but the same could be said about Batman at this point. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't, uh, we don't, does that bother you? I mean, I don't, it's, it's hard to tell reading these stories now because we know, we know yeah. who Batman is and, you know, the murder of the Waynes and all that. But I don't know, just looking at it from the perspective of you've only read three Batman stories. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I wonder if that would bother the reader not knowing I also wonder if if the creators even know at this point what his origin is. Yeah, I kind of wonder that too. And I've never read anything that says they did. But uh, you're right. I kind of try and think about just reading these. I try and just think about what what you and I have read, and that's it. Try not to put too much into what I know about him in the future. So, I mean, it's very little. I mean, we, we get – we have no origin of Batman. We have – you know, a handful of panels of Bruce Wayne. We don't get an origin for him until is it Batman number one? I'm looking ahead. I'm cheating. Uh, it could be. No, I think it's still Detective. But what do I know? No, it's Batman number one. Is it really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a ways off. Yep. So I'm 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 just kind of assuming that Finger and Kane did not have an origin for him. Yeah. Probably not. But you also got to think that when they're writing these and you know drawing these, that they weren't thinking how this character is going to last till 2011. People, oh yeah, they they had no idea that people were going to have know. podcasts about them. Right. Um, you know they they've probably created stories before that went nowhere. And yes, you know we're only on story number three here. For all they knew, that was going to be their last one, or you know he was going to last another year tops. Right. Because this was all new at that point. I mean, there was mm-hmm. Superman and Superman. So, <laughs> well, even, well Superman guys. had a Superman had his origin right off the bat, though, didn't he? To some extent. Uh, yeah, 
a kind of a condensed version of it, but yeah, right off the bat in, in Action Comics number one, they had the exploding planet. And... But in Superman's case, if you didn't do that, then people would wonder how the heck this guy can lift a tractor over his right. head. Yeah. Whereas Batman, you don't necessarily need an origin. Right, because he doesn't uh, have any powers. He's just he's a guy a, in a costume. So. That's right. Um, so yeah, it would be interesting to know if people were demanding for one or if they didn't care. Um, but I guess we won't know that. Yeah, there's no letter pages in these old Mm-mm. these old issues, which is kind of unfortunate. We have to find ourselves a really old guy who remembers all this. <laughs> yeah. So, old guy, if you're out there, or a girl, please write in and tell us exactly what you were thinking when these issues were coming out. <sighs> if you can remember. Um, and if you can't remember, just make something up. Let us know. Um... So you want to tell people who aren't millionaires how they can get a hold of the story? Okay. It's been reprinted three times. Uh, Batman Archives Volume 1, Batman Chronicles Volume 1, and in the Batman from the 30s to the 70s hardcover. Cool. So one more time than the last story. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So just like the last story or the last issue, Detective 28 and 27, this is only one of many stories. So I'm going to go through them, the, the rest of the stories that aren't Batman uh, just real fast so we can get an idea of what was going on at the time. Uh, the f- actually, there was an advertisement on uh, the interior of the cover, which I thought was kind of funny. It's, a, it's got a, a prisoner who's bust a hole through the, the wall of, the, of a cell, and, and he's encouraging, trying to encourage this other prisoner to escape with him. I assume they were in the cell together, but... Uh, the other prisoner is too busy reading more fun comics, um, so he'll escape later because the comics he's reading belong to the warden, and it would be dishonest to take them with. Him. <laughs> um, he's an honest jail escapee. Right. And then also that what I thought was kind of cool is on the bottom there's a line that says, The Sandman, a startling new adventure strip, appears each and every month in adventure comics. Cool. Yep. So that's another character that survives to this day. Um Okay, so, but the first actual story story, I'm sorry, the second story, because we just covered the first story, um, is called Crime, Crime Never Pays, and it's just like the uh, the Crime Never Pays that was in Detective 27, essentially. It's, it's, it's various panels that all talk about uh, how detectives and policemen uh, um, solve cases, basically. And I guess they keep doing this as a filler in Detective Comics because it's Detective Comics, so it's all about crime. Right. But uh, some of the ideas are they're they're explaining the value of finding footprints and laboratory analysis and the classification of human hair and what it means when a detective shadows someone. Um, and then there's this I don't know if it's real or not, but there's this they're talking about a gun that not only shoots bullets, but shoots pictures at the same time. <laughs> I can't believe that's real, but yeah, I don't, um, maybe they were actually trying useful, that, I guess, but yeah, no. kind of, you know, like now that cop cars have cameras and stuff, same idea, I guess. Um, uh, but the first story story is a Larry Steele story who, uh, hasn't appeared in the last two issues and it's six pages and it's by Will Eli. And it's Larry Steele, private detective, witnessing two hoods kill a man over an odet, proceeds to chase them through the steel girders of an unfinished skyscraper. 
And Larry Steele hasn't appeared since Detective Comics number 25. Um, and it kind of occurred to me after reading this that there, it seems like there's a lot of stories in Detective Comics revolving or uh, revolving around someone owing money. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just a common uh, reason for murdering people, motivation for murdering people. Uh, second story is a Bart Regan story, six pages, and it's called Colonel Wash and the Coastal Defense Plans, and it's by Jerry Siegel and Mart Bailey instead of Joe Schuster. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, Superman's taking too much of his time. Too much of his time, yep. Uh, yeah, it was around this time that Schuster started dropping off all the features except for Superman. So, so the story goes, after the U.S. Espionage Bureau intercepts a coded message about a possible attempt on Colonel Walsh's life, Bart Regan, spy, and his plucky sidekick, Jack Steele, <laughs> save the colonel. Wait, 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 wait. We have Jack Steele and Larry Steele? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if they were related, but uh, you never know. They didn't say they were related. Uh, anyway, Bart Regan and Jack Steele save the colonel and then break up a plot by an unnamed spy to bomb several army officers at an air show. Uh, okay, next story, Crimson Avenger, six pages. Six pages is called The McNeil Kidnappers, and it's by Jim Chambers. Um, after receiving ransom money, a group of kidnappers lets their victim go, and the Crimson Avenger uses clues provided by the victim to track them down with the help of his driver, Wing. So, And I just wanted to point out here that Wing, uh, the limo driver for or just car driver. I'm not sure if it's a limo for the Crimson Avenger was actually in detective comics number 27 as well. And I probably didn't say anything about it because honestly, I just didn't realize that he was a character that mattered. Uh, but I looked him up and apparently he not only is the Crimson Avengers limo driver, but eventually he becomes a superhero in his own right. Mm-hmm. Um, still calling himself wing, but you know, he gets the spandex and he joins the all-star squadron and the, the laws legionnaires. So I just, I just wanted to point out that, you know, he is in these stories for all you Crimson Avenger fans out there. And I just omitted him because I didn't realize, you know, how special he was. So this is the last, uh, Jim Chambers drawn Crimson Avenger story too. He has, uh, he writes, the strip doesn't appear again until 37 issue 37. And Chambers wrote that one, but it's drawn by someone else. And then after that, it goes entirely to other creators. So uh. I don't know. I tried to do a little research on what happened to Jim Chambers because it's just like he drops off the map mm-hmm. at this point. So I don't know if he went to another company or if he if he died or, or what. But Or got out of comics. Yeah, that could be too. Because I but think I could... you know, nobody wanted to be in comics at this point. No. So. Uh, okay, the next story. This is one of those text pieces again, those two-page text pieces that seem to be in every issue. And it's called A Game for Two, and it's by Gardner Fox, but he signed as uh, Paul Dean. And it goes, after millionaire Gregory Baxter receives a note from the mysterious the mysterious jewel thief named Orso, who threatens to steal his precious Carsack pearls on May 21st, Baxter recruits Detective Dennis Kent, who apprehends Orso, by disguising himself as the millionaire and setting up an ambush. Next story, Speed Saunders by Fred Gardiner. After Dr. Alburn blows up his would-be replacement at, <laughs> at the research facility, 
Destroying the lab and the body and leaving no evidence behind, it is up to Speed Saunders, ace detective, to solve the quote-unquote perfect crime, which he does by pretending to solve the crime and thereby getting Oldborn to confess. Okay. And, and I just want to point out that Speed looks remarkably like Dick Tracy in this issue. Um, yellow, you know, trench coat and the fedora. Hmm. So I don't know if they were doing that on purpose or... It could be. Dick Tracy wasn't in comics yet at this point. Well, uh, he but he did have a newspaper strip, I think. Right. So, so anyway, uh, next issue, The Hooded Figure, which is a Bruce Nelson story by Tom Hickey. And it's... Uh, this is the... Uh, much like last issue, or last <laughs> episode, I disdain this story. So I will just say that Bruce and his buddy Ed finally solved this three-part death by black magic case. And it turns out the butler did it. The butler always does it. Yeah. So why did it take three freaking issues to get to that? I don't know. But anyway. Do all these do all these other features just kind of blur together? I mean, we got Speed Saunders, Bruce Nelson, Larry. They're just all very similar names to me. And I, yeah. Very similar stories too. Yeah. Um, but you know they'll eventually phase themselves out. So. Yeah. Uh, the next issue or next issue, the next story is Cosmo again, six pages, and it's by Sven Elvin. Uh, Cosmo, the Phantom of Disguise, as he's called, once again does not disguise himself in any way whatsoever <laughs> as he tracks down and takes on the mysterious terrorist known as the Avenger, who, by the way, almost kills Cosmo because he recognizes him. <laughs> so this is just, I don't know, horrible stuff. Not all of it. I, I actually like the Slam Bradley, um, who, again, gets the most pages in this issue with 13. And it's called Warning, Keep Out of Hawaii. And it's by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who still has the time. Um, and it's about Slam, after being lured to Hawaii, Slam, Brad, ugh, Slam Bradley helps rescue a woman named Betty and her uncle from a foreign kidnapper named Hiaroto. Uh, and just like last issue, this story opens with a big quarter panel of Slam punching someone in the face. Uh, I don't know if he's just going to keep doing that every story, but I like it. Um, so just wanted to point out that now that Batman's 10 pages, we got one less uh, feature this week. Who dropped off? Uh, well, Fu Manchu. Who will, oh, that's right. That's right. Who, yeah. who will never be seen again. Uh, but then also Buck Marshall wasn't in this issue. The range detective. Oh, the range detective. I knew was, something was missing from this issue. He was replaced by – I said uh, it was Buck Marshall. Yeah. He was replaced by uh, Larry Steele. <laughs> but Buck will be back next issue. Oh. So for all you Buck Marshall fans, since there's no Buck Marshall podcasts, you know we're going to get... tune in here to find out your Buck Marshall fix. We're going to get letters. <laughs> You're like, why do you guys have to guess Buck, Buck Marshall? Marshall. <laughs> uh, it's all Michael. He hates Buck Marshall. <laughs> Buck isn't so bad. I hate some of the others, though. Oh. Do we want to look at other books that were out? Sure. All right. Even though they don't have Batman in them, but... <sighs> Well, you can't have Batman in everything. can't be like today when there's 50 Batman titles and, you know, 60, 60 titles total from DC. So yep. he, he will eventually be every book that they publish. <laughs> yes. Him and Wolverine will be the only books you can buy. Yep. All right. Well, we had uh, Movie Comics number four, which adapted yet another Gene Autry movie, this time Blue Montana Skies. And you'd think for print adaptations they would do less – musicals 
or you know with the singing cowboy and all but uh we also we also had uh that's a good point streets of new york which again starred jackie cooper so lots of jackie cooper in the movie comics book well he was he was a big big uh actor wasn't he uh yeah he was as a kid but was he that i mean that's still a lot of jackie cooper for you know yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, there was Action Comics number fourteen. Old which... guy, old guy. When you write in, could you tell us how popular <laughs> Jackie Cooper was, please? Uh, anyway, Action Comics number fourteen, which had Superman facing off against the Ultra Humanite, making him Superman's first recurring villain. And the last panel of that advertises Superman number one, which I guess we talked about last episode. Yeah. And there's a new feature, Clip Carson by Bob Kane. Allegedly. Wow. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Bob that <Kane> was Studios. A, <laughs> that was a Jungle Gym knockoff, like a you know, like a Jungle Book or some sort. Okay. And it was likely done by Bill Finger and Bob Kane because right. later later stories are credited to Bill Finger as hey, so the writer. Maybe that's why Bill Finger didn't write this story. Could be. He's busy writing this uh, Jungle Book story. Could be. Yeah. Anyway. And then there was more fun comics number forty-five. And Adventure Comics number 40, which had the debut of the Sandman in that title, he first appeared in the World's Fair comic that I talked about last episode, but this is his first appearance in Adventure Comics. And I think people usually consider this to be the first story written, even though the other was published Mm -hmm. first. Uh, But it's DC's biggest character to date, other than Superman and Batman. Well, those people are wrong. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) And then there was uh, All-American Comics number 5 and a second issue of Action Comics, issue number 15, with a Fred Gardner Superman cover, making cool. making that the first Superman cover not by Joe Schuster. Oh, Boy, he's just slacking this month. Well, you know. Was there – was this, oh, the strips were going on. Is that Was he doing those or something? Uh, yeah, they had been going for about six months at this point, so oh. yeah. So yeah, that was taking more and more time, and with the Superman book starting up, you know that was oh. more. So it just around this time is when things really started picking up for Superman and, and the the uh, Schuster Studios. So he, you know, they had to. Superman was the cash cow, so they had yep. to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, you got anything else for Batman in the month of June, nineteen thirty-nine? Nope. Doctor Death is dead. I'm done. Rest in peace, Dr. Death. We hardly yeah. knew ye. Yep. Well, next uh, next episode, we will be covering the world of Batman in July 1939, which includes Detective Comics number 30. Yep. So, hope you'll come back for that. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us this time out. If you would like to give us feedback or email or just tell us how cool we are, you can email us at... What's the email address? Podcast at BatmanLegends.com. <laughs> There you go. Podcast at BatmanLegends.com There's also the website, which is BatmanLegends.com We we, uh, post show notes and whatnot there. Uh, And at the site, you can also find the link to the RSS feed and the iTunes link. Uh, There's also a Facebook page that's linked at the website. Uh, I also invite you to check out my show, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, which you can find at GreatCrypton.com, where I talk a whole lot about Superman. And not Batman. Not a lot of Batman yet. But But listen to it anyway. Yes, listen to it anyway. It's a good show. Yeah. Uh, So once again, I want to thank you a lot for listening to us, and we will talk to you again next time. 
See you next week. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is copyright DC Comics. Yeah.